Welcome back to Podcast by Committee, the greatest show of all time, where we talk to the Athletics beat writers and basically ask them a bunch of fantasy questions, uh, drive them crazy for 40 minutes, and then let them go. So uh, today's guest, the uh, the quagmire in a good way, uh, that is the San Francisco 49ers. Our beat writer for them is Matt Barrows. You can follow him on Twitter at M-A-T-T-B-A-R-R-O-W-S. Uh, Matt, thanks for thanks for jumping on, man. This is a, this is a very interesting time to be covering the 49ers. Yeah, it really is. Uh, if they win on Sunday against Pittsburgh, this will be the first time that they've gone three and zero to start a season since uh, 1989, which was a Super Bowl season. So <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's a pretty good company to be in uh, at this point in the season. What's what's the vibe? Is is it um is there like unbridled enthusiasm or is there cautious optimism or uh, like what's what's the whole vibe out there right now? Yeah, I think it's cautious at this point. I mean, uh, they, they've won two road games, which is really encouraging. This team had a didn't win any road games last year, uh, but it was against Tampa and, and Cincinnati, and so we're, we're not really sure uh, if those teams are going to end up being good, mediocre bad otherwise so uh, i think there's some cautious optimism even pittsburgh coming in now they'll be playing uh, without ben roethlisberger of course so even a win there uh, how much do we really know about the 49ers i think um their next game they have a bye in week four and then the next game is at la uh, at the la rams and that would be the real obviously litmus test to show how good these uh 2019 49ers are well, you know, I actually wanted to ask you about that buy. Um, I was going to save it till later, but let's just do it now. It, you know, if say you win this next game against the Steelers, which looks you know highly likely now the way that team is going, um, is it is it kind of a not a curse, but does it suck to have the buy this early? Well, the team has all this momentum, and it would be better to have it around week ten. Or is there a lot of stuff they can really do that that might benefit them this early in the season? Uh, you know, tweaking things that might work, figuring out that Dante Pettis situation, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but is is this a good thing or is it kind of like, oh, man, you know, if, if we knew we were going to be 3-0, and had this momentum, it kind of sucks. Yeah, there's that. I mean, they, they usually have their bye late in the season. The last two years it was week 11, and uh, I think a, a West Coast team prefers that just given all the travel that they have to do. Um, they, they'd rather have it late in the year and sort of uh, have the ability to rest up then when fatigue has really set in. But there are some circumstances that uh, having a, a week four bye really benefits them. Um, Trent Taylor has been out with a foot injury. Jalen Hurd has been out with a back injury. Tevin Coleman has been out with an ankle injury. All those guys are, are due to come back, if not in week five, uh, shortly thereafter. So uh, the, the bye helps them in that regard. Um, uh, and then, you know, Joe Staley getting hurt uh, in this last game. He's out for probably eight weeks. So having the bye come in the first half of the season obviously means that uh, Staley is is not having to miss at least one of those weeks uh, for it being a game. So uh, I think it's uh, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Um, and, and certainly, as you noted, the, the momentum could be such that, boy, you, you really don't want to ease off the gas pedal uh, if you start out the season 3-0. and I liked uh, the Joe Staley quote that you had. Well, I mean, he, he came up with it. But it was in your story uh, where he was, you know, he's kind of like, this sucks. But, you know, I've always wanted to try coaching. So maybe <laughs> maybe now is the chance for, for eight weeks while I'm, while I'm rehabbing. Well, and he may have to do a lot of that with a rookie. Justin School, who I'm sure nobody uh, listening has heard about outside of the, the Bay Area, 
was there. I think he was the second of three six round picks this year. And he may be the guy, um, you know, a, a rookie out of Vanderbilt. Um, the, you know, I think the best thing that you can say about him is that he, he faced a lot of really good pass rushers uh, in the SEC over the years and has played a lot of games. Um, and uh, he's going to be protecting Jimmy Garoppolo's backside. It looks like, at least for this game against Pittsburgh, he'd uh, probably match up against Bud Dupree uh, throughout the game. But uh, he's going to have a, a sizable role and, and maybe a you know a, a pivotal role in in the success of this of the team this year. Um, Staley, you know, protecting Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, blind side is is job one, but uh, or job one a job one b is he's really good uh, run blocker, and this team does a lot of outside zone running, and uh, that's part of the reason why they moved on from Trent Brown uh, at right tackle and, and drafted Mike McGlinchey last year. They wanted to be you know ambidextrous, uh, for, for lack of a better word, um, as far as running the ball. They want to be able to run it equally right and left. Without Staley there, I, I think that's, uh, that, that's a big deal. Will they be able to run to the left as well as uh, they've been able to do? And they were able to do that really well uh, Sunday in Cincinnati. That's, that's the reason why Staley got hurt. Uh, an, another long run, I think it was by uh, Raheem Mostert, Staley's way out ahead of the play and uh, he ends up getting clipped by Mostert as, as Mostert ran by him and uh, suffered a, uh, a leg fracture in the encounter. But I mean, it just sort of illustrates how productive uh, the 49ers have been, uh, especially running to the left over the last few years. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of running backs, I mean, the, you could really start anywhere on this team. I think we're probably not going to spend a lot of time on tight end because that's just all good for fantasy players. Um, although Levine Toilolo with the 34 snaps and helping with the run game, maybe, maybe we'll get to that, but the running back situation, uh, like you said, Tevin Coleman's kind of slated to come back soon. Um, it seems like Jeff Wilson's getting a lot of red zone goal line work. Um, but Mostert, and I, I'm almost I'm like 99% positive. This is you last year. There was an amazing story on him about how he got a surfing scholarship. Um, I don't remember many more of the details, but like he's, like you read the story and, you know, fantasy players are like, all right, here's just the next guy up. But it just it, like since last year, since I read that, and I'm pretty sure it was preseason last year, uh, like he, he has this personality. And um, I don't know why, man, like every time I see his name pop up again, he's going to get a chance. I'm like, there's something to him. Like he's he's he's, he's a surfer who's, uh, you know, who chose football over surfing. Um and it's, I don't know, it just it gave him some depth that I, I don't see with a lot of, you know, second or third string guys who are popping up. Um, probably doesn't have a lot to do with his fantasy value, but I wanted to throw that in there because I thought it was a very cool story that you did on him. It was you, right? Yeah, it, it was me, and and he is a really interesting guy. I mean, he might be the most popular guy on the team. He's just uh, a really likable guy. Uh, you know, th- this is neither here nor there for fantasy, but uh, you know, the Forty Hundred players do community service every Tuesday, and. Um, you know, it, it's very hard for the team to kind of summon enough guys to do that. Tuesday's their day off. I mean, they've just come back from a, a 10 day road trip this week, for instance, Raheem Mostert is the guy that shows up every week to do, you know, go to a hospital, uh, talk to the kids at juvenile hall, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, he's a, a stalwart at that. And, uh, you know, it just kind of speaks to who he is and where he's from. And, yeah, he, he grew up in New Smyrna Beach, Florida, uh, didn't have a lot of money, uh, was sort of a surf rat, skate rat, 
and uh, was so good at it, he was offered a, a, a scholarship, I think, by Billabong, one of the, one of the surfing companies, um, and uh, turned it down because he also got a scholarship offer, was the first person in his family to, to go to college, a four-year college, went to Purdue, was a track star there, and this is probably more uh, relating to, to fantasy football. Um, the, the 49ers have a lot of speed at that position. Uh, usually Jarek McKinnon would be there. He's fast. Tevin Coleman's very fast. Matt Breida is very fast. His nickname is Breida the Cheetah. But Mostert, in my mind, Mostert's the fastest of that group, and, and they would have a big argument over this, uh, who, who's the fastest among the running backs. But, you know, Mostert gets in the uh, open field, and he just glides. Uh, it, it's a very effortless speed, and uh, you saw that. I mean, the, the Bengals on that uh, screenplay just misjudged him. They didn't think that he was going to, you know, get to them as quickly as they did, and he just ran by the whole defense for that uh, 39-yard score. So that's that's the kind of ability he has in the open field, and he's got some power that goes with it. He, you know, he's also their best gunner on special teams, which you know tells you something about his toughness. Um, and uh, you, you see that. I mean, he he runs through arm tackles. So. Uh, you know, he's not the starter. That that's that's the issue with with all of these these running backs is that there's a steady rotation there, and um, I'm just not sure whether you can count on Mostert having the game that he did on Sunday every week, um, because uh, it, it's going to be sporadic, I think. And obviously, they're not going to be playing the Bengals defense uh, week in and week out. Man, the Bengals. That's that's another story. That's actually that's Thursday. That's a that's a that's a mess, man. Um, let me, let me fast forward to like week, let's say eight, if you're playing Carolina in week eight, what's the running back situation going to look like? Cause we are just assuming Coleman's healthy. Um, and you have, you know, the other guys who've been very successful in his absence, um, like how much more of a rotation can, can this backfield handle? Uh, yeah, that, that's just it. I mean, when Tevin Coleman, Tevin Coleman sprained his ankle on the first play of the, uh, you know, first game. Um, and um, he still was the running back in there the first two series. They didn't they didn't even substitute Brita in there at all the first two series. So it was clear going into the season that Tevin Coleman was going to be the the starting running back. They were going to give him a lot of breaks, but um, he was going to get the majority or the plurality of the of the snaps. So when he's back 100 percent, I I think it probably goes back to that. Um, you know, they, they do have an embarrassment of riches there. Uh, I, 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 I would think that if Mostert and Brita continue to do really well in his absence and, and the absence may only be one more game, it may be Sunday's game against the, uh, the Steelers that, uh, Coleman's, uh, share might go down a little bit, but, uh, there's only so many snaps you can have in a game. And, and Brita, by the way, didn't, didn't play at all in, in the fourth quarter of this game. It was such a romp that, they took him out and they gave all those fourth quarter runs. And it was, it was mainly runs to Mostert and to Jeff Wilson. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to depend on a lot of things uh, where they are in the game and whatnot. But I think the most complete back on the team uh, remains Tevin Coleman. So when he's hundred percent healthy, um, he's going to be the guy. And, and maybe that's part of the equation here. Uh, maybe in a normal year, they, you know, they, they make sure that Tevin Coleman is back in the lineup in week five. Maybe this year you say, OK, we're going to give you uh, one or two more weeks to be, you know, perfectly healthy, 100 percent healthy. 
before you come back because we do have this depth at that position. Um, if someone owns Tevin Coleman, would the move right now, I mean, because it feels like, you know, if, if I'm just watching this from the outside and not talking to you, uh, I would be like, oh, you know, Mostert and, and, and Breed are going to be impossible to move and Tevin Coleman's going to come back to a mess. And you seem a little more optimistic about Coleman, even, even that part about him playing through that ankle injury in the first two series. Um, is Coleman maybe a, a kind of guy you could kind of not rip someone off with, but maybe offer someone with that someone thinking Coleman might not be as big of a game plan going forward as as kind of you've drawn up to be? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, um, I, I, I would say, you know, and, and by the way, Tevin Coleman has been really durable uh, over his career, um, you know, especially for his position. So this is this is sort of odd. Um, and, you know, I thought it was telling that he did play on a, a high ankle sprain for, you know, basically the whole first quarter, first first quarter and a half of that game in Tampa. So he's a tough guy. He's fast. Um, he's, he's probably the best guy out of the backfield as a receiver. I, I think that's the real distinction. So if, if I had him on my team, I would not, uh, I would not trade him. I, I think that, um, he's still going to have a good year. Uh, you know, they're, they're very leery about, um, giving Brita too many snaps, uh, because he did, uh, you know, to his credit, he played through a lot of injuries last year, but he wasn't as effective as he normally is, he's not a huge guy, 205 pounds. Uh, and, and Mostert was hurt uh, last year as well. Uh, he had that grisly uh, you know, arm fracture against the Raiders that probably a lot of people saw because it was on national television. So yeah. all, all, all of that being said, my, my point is that I still think that in the second half of the season, or really the, the last three quarters of the season, Tevin Coleman's going to get the, the lion's share of the carries, of, of, of the snaps at least. Uh, for this team and probably is going to get a lot more um, pass targets than the other two guys as well. All right. Um, you know, wide receiver is, is kind of just as confusing in a way. Um, you know, you got Marquise Goodwin uh, who, who kind of has, has carved out his own role, but the, uh, the Debo Samuel Dante Pettis dynamic, and you even mentioned Jalen Hurd coming back too in preseason. People are talking about Jalen Hurd kind of in the same breath as Debo Samuel. And that was when everyone just assumed Dante Pettis would be this team's, number one or number two wide receiver. Um, and I think even going to week one, a lot of people were like, you know, this whole doghouse thing is kind of made up. He's Dante Pettis. They're just kind of, you know, playing this up to throw off the opponent. Uh, and they're, they're not. Um, and I, I read another one of your columns where you had a quote from Shanahan saying that Dante Pettis didn't play a lot in week one. This is paraphrasing. Uh, it was just an oversight on our part. Um, so he, he kind of intimated that the second week was more – what Dante Pettis would be doing. Um, but even then, like, I, I think he got outsnapped by Richie James. Um, what's, what's going on there, man? Like, what, what can we, if I drafted Dante Pettis kind of early before this whole doghouse thing started, um, how does he get out of it? Will he get out of it? Is this kind of like, you know, does he get traded? There seems to be a lot of trades going on right now. It's what's the plan with Dante Pettis? Well, you know, they, they invested a, a high second round pick in Dante Pettis last year. So I, I don't think they're giving up on him by, by any degree. Um, you know, and, and, you know, last year, I think it was the last five games of the season, uh, he really started to come on. And, and if you projected, uh, you know, his numbers over the last five games, over a 16 game season, it was well over a thousand yards, you know, something like 1,200. Uh, for a team that really hasn't had, you know, a, a lot of a thousand yard receivers in the last 20 years. 
Um, so that being said, I mean, the talent is there, but it's clear that Shanahan wants more out of Pettis. Um, he's been lighting a fire under, under him all off season. Um, you know, uh, very, you know, you, you just don't hear, uh, NFL head coaches criticize their players anymore. It's just not done, but Shanahan does that with Pettis. Um, and, uh, and I think it's because, uh, he realizes he's got the ability to be a star receiver, but he's just not, uh, I, I don't think he liked the, uh, the off season work. I think he wanted him to get a little bit bigger and stronger, um, et cetera, et cetera. He doesn't have a lot of fire and practice. Um, the intensity isn't always there. So th- that's what he wants to see out of him. And, um, I, I still think that the idea for this team going forward is that Pettis is one of your receivers, uh, starting receivers and Debo Samuel is the other, but right now, um, it's Debo Samuel and, and Marquise Goodwin who are in the starting roles. I think in the future, it's going to be, uh, Pettis who replaces Goodwin. Uh, but, uh, for this season, at least Goodwin's been going strong. And, um, uh, you know, if I'm a fantasy player and I'm looking for a uh, 49ers receiver, it's, it's Debo Samuel. Cause he's not only getting a lot of targets in the run game they, they give him a, a jet sweeper or two a game because he's so effective uh, with the ball in his hands. He's a very tough runner. He runs like a running back uh, and does not go out of bounds. So all of those things, A, that makes uh, the, the 49ers coaches like him quite a bit. He's got the toughness that uh, they're not seeing from Dante Pettis at this point. And he also is getting some some bonus yards, maybe uh, 20, 25 yards a game uh, because he's getting uh, a couple of carries. I found it totally intriguing last year, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but, um, you know, Dante Pettis and Pat Mahomes, uh, you know, both of their fathers were like these 1980s common cards that I collected back in the day. Um, and, you know, Mahomes went one way and, and Pettis is now going another. Um, is Shanahan, I mean, like your father's an athlete. I think he's still the third base coach for the Astros. Um, is, is that just not like like any kind of influence? Is Shanahan like, dude, you know, your father was like an athlete at the top of his game and you're, you're not taking, you know, you're not doing what we asked you to do in the offseason. You should know this stuff coming from an athletic family. Um, does that play into it a little bit? Is it like a little exacerbated or does that have nothing at all to do with it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it hasn't come up at all. Um, uh, obviously, a, uh, a baseball player uh, is not going to be at home a lot. So, um, you know, I, I think Gary Pettis missed a lot of the upbringing and he, and he obviously, uh, you know, is, is trying to make up for that as much as he can. The, the, the issue with Pettis, if you can call it an issue, is that uh, his game relies on finesse at this point, which is which is what you want. I mean, he, he's able to get open. Um, he's got a, a very um, distinct running style. He's hard to cover. Uh, he, he runs strangely. I mean, he, he acknowledges that he's sort of, uh, got these Gumby like, uh, legs that kind of run independent of his upper body. So he's able to, um, create space and, and get room. And, you know, that's, that's what, you know, Shanahan loves to watch tape of these guys coming out of the draft. And, and that's what the attraction was. He watched Dante Pettis on film and uh, love the fact that this guy routinely got open. And, um, you know, uh, they, they traded up to get him in the second round, which is higher than everybody projected Pettis to go. So the, the 49ers not only took him in the second, they traded up higher uh, because they were scared that he was going to go. That's how much 
Shanahan liked this guy. Uh, like I said earlier, I think it's just adding sort of a, uh, a power element to, to his game. Um, I think they want him stronger, um, you know, more consistent, more deliberate in his routes, not so, not so finesse. And, um, you know, that's, that's the bottom line with Dante Pettis. But, uh, I, I wrote a, a story this week, sort of comparing Akella Witherspoon. And that was, the, that was the column you just wrote about the doghouse, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of similarities between those two guys. I, mean, I think that Witherspoon is basically the defensive equil- equivalent of Pettis, uh, a guy who uh, had a reputation for being more finesse in college, wasn't a real willing tackler, um, had a, a pretty good rookie season, and then didn't really make the the jump um, in, in the second year that the 49ers wanted to, and, and was actually benched for a game last year, the, uh, the game on, uh, in green Bay that was on national television, um, got a lot of criticism. And then, you know, this year, this off season really worked hard, spent a lot of time in the weight room and has come back and, and looked really good over the first two games. I think he's only allowed one catch over that, uh, over that span. So my point is that, uh, I, I think that he's kind of shown, Dante Pettis, a nice blueprint for escaping the doghouse. And I think that Pettis, um, he's a very smart guy. And uh, I think that uh, he's eventually going to find his way out as well. Does this, does this team have a doghouse problem, Matt? It's just, I mean, it seems like a, a recurring theme on, on more of this team than any other. You know, it's a, a second year problem. Um, and, and I attribute it to the fact that, you know, the 49ers just haven't had a lot of talent. So a lot of these guys got to play as rookies and then, um, you know, maybe thought that, uh, this thing was pretty easy because they did have some success as rookies as well and really didn't put in the, uh, the work in the off season and, uh, came into the second season. Um, I don't want to say underprepared, but, uh, not really with the same, or, or, or with the right ethic that they needed, then they got uh, chagrined, embarrassed, put in the doghouse, and and learned their lesson. So year three has been better for a lot of these guys. Um, it's it's certainly not universal. George Kittle, for example, had a a good rookie season, and then um, went ballistic in his second season. So um, it it's varied from player to player. But there have been a lot of uh, second year slumps, sophomore slumps, for some of these 49ers. Okay. Um, I'd like to talk about Jimmy G for a little while now, if we could. Uh, you know, a, a big deal was made out of Kirk Cousins throwing 10 passes in week one. Um, and, you know, you see Jimmy Garoppolo's first two games, and it's 27 passes and 25 passes. Um, you know, last week, obviously, he was very efficient with that and almost got to a 300-yard game. Uh, you look back in the last year before he was hurt, 89 attempts over the three games. Uh, it seems kind of like this offense isn't going to pass a ton, um, and maybe, you know, with, with that speed you talked about, could could either just capitalize on that instead of a volume thing. Um, is is Garoppolo going to have, I guess, you know, less value than I, I think, like, the buzz about him would imply? Like, is this going to be the norm, 25 passes a game and and just kind of, uh, you know, see what happens? Or, you know, is it maybe, maybe the last game was a blowout, maybe he would have passed more in a normal game. How is this going to shake out? And if, you, if you're an owner of Jimmy Garoppolo and you – you kind of ignore the the sixteen to ten touchdown interception ratio everyone talks about, um, and you you like him and you have faith in him. Is he going to kind of be restrained by the number of passes he's going to throw, or is that just a just a first two game kind of weird thing? 
Yeah, I think for the most part, the answer is yes, um, because this team does like to run, and it, it's been very good at running. Even last year with, with you know, Nick Mullins in the lineup and a lot of undrafted guys, uh, you know, in, in key spots, they were able to run the ball, um, you know, even with a banged-up uh, Matt Burita as, as the – as the bell cow uh, back last year. So they're good at it. Um, but, you know, when they play the Rams, uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a dogfight. Um, so th- there will be games where, you know, Kyle Shanahan is going to have to dial up more passes, I think, in order to keep pace with the opponent. And, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo should have a big game as a result. Um, again, going back to one of our initial uh, topics is, uh, how well are they going to be able to run the ball without Joe Staley? Um, I, I think that's going to be a big missing element for them. They're, they're sort of going to be missing a uh, one of their arms in a, in a boxing match. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how Justin School will do it at that. I think he's a better run blocker now than he is a pass blocker. Uh, but uh, yeah, Joe Staley is one of the, the best run blockers in the NFL, has been for a while, especially – in an offense that loves to uh, run in space like the 49ers do love, love to get outside. So um, I I think that that's going to suffer a bit now, whether how that affects Jimmy Garoppolo, whether, you know, he gets 25 extra yards a game as a result. I don't know, but uh, I think that, um, um, you know, it's going to get better as the season goes on. You know, another thing that uh, is going to improve for him is, is the receiving core. I mean, it's a very, very young group of receivers. I think that that connection is only going to get better as the year goes on. So uh, I, I think he's somebody that you want to invest in. Um, but again, I think uh, matchups will probably be uh, what, what dictates whether you, you actually play him from, from week to week. So he has just like a normal season. I mean, you know, before before the season, if we would have done this a month ago, I would have asked something along the lines of, you know, is he getting unfairly maligned for these interceptions that he threw in just a very small sample? Um, is that is that a, a poor representation of him? You know, he, he came into the last year, everyone said, you know, he's thrown almost as many interceptions as he has touchdowns. And, um, you know, the number was even a little more off when he actually started those games in 2017. Last year was obviously a lost season. Uh, so I guess the question about him coming in was, is he is he not the interception guy that people have kind of drawn him up to be? Or, um, you know, is he a little more accurate, a little better than that? I think he is accurate. Um, I think he's got a bit of gunslinger in him. And, um, you know, when you have that in you, you're going to throw interceptions. I mean, it just com- comes with the territory. Um, he's a confident guy. He's confident in his arm. Um, uh, you know, I think that he's still learning the, the Kyle Shanahan system. He's only started, uh, what, eight, nine, ten, ten games in it so far. So barely more than half a season. Um, and I think it's probably going to take a full 16 games for him to really get it. And until that happens, it's going to, there are going to be some bad throws. There are going to be some interceptions thrown in there. Um, he's thrown a couple this year that are, they're just, you know, plain bad reads. Um, it, it wasn't, you know, forcing the ball in, into a tight space and the ball getting tipped. It was just, you know, it, this was, this was not the spot to go with the ball. Did not read the coverage correctly. So, that's just experience uh, at this point. Um, you know, Sam Darnold, uh, despite having mono, has started more NFL games than Jimmy Garoppolo has. Uh, so it, it's just a, a matter of him 
going through a full season. That, that's the bottom bottom line for Jimmy Garoppolo. Is uh, is there any concern about him in the ACL? I mean, you see a lot of these guys with the ACL injuries, Darius Geis, who kind of compensated his other leg, it seems like, um, from what we've heard from, from our injury experts here. Um, and, you know, last year, um, Dalvin Cook, you know, being benched for a while, sorry, being out of it for a while with an injury to his hamstring. Uh, is there, I mean, I know he's a, he's a quarterback, not a running back, but still you got to plant, you got to turn, you got to do all this stuff. Is there any concern? Or are they treating him any, I guess, lighter than they would have? Because, I mean, he's not even a full year out from the ACL surgery yet. Is, is there anything there we should keep an eye on? No, I mean, mechanically, um, I, I think that he's not quite back up to speed. I, I don't think that's because he has an ACL injury. I think it's just because he didn't play uh, beyond week three last year. And he's, and he's you know, the, the mechanics are, are still a little bit off. Uh, there was a dramatic improvement, obviously, from, from week one to week two. So I don't think that's going to be a big issue moving forward. But as far as the knee is concerned, um, no, I don't think that's hindering him at all. Um, I think having gotten injured last year makes him more cautious, um, makes him, you know, he's not going to take on any tacklers like he did, uh, when he suffered that injury. Uh, and he might be more hesitant about going downfield. I think there's, there's still a, uh, a collective gasp that goes out in the Bay area whenever he, he takes off and runs, which he's only done, uh, you know, a couple of times so far including in the preseason. Um, and, and I think he feels that too. I mean, I think he very much is picking his spots and he's not quite as carefree. I guess that's the best way to describe it okay. uh, as he was pre-injury. But I mean, uh, to me, fantasy wise, that's, that's probably a, a good thing because he's not putting himself in harm's way like he used to. Um, and, he, and he wasn't ever a, a real scrambler either. So you're not counting on those those uh, those points uh, from from Jimmy Garoppolo. So again, I, I think it's something that, uh, as this team comes out of the bye, will be mostly uh, smoothed out. And uh, just quickly to, to kind of round out this team right now, from a fantasy perspective, I mean, it's cool. This George Kittle's fine, right? I mean, it's, he leads the team in targets, receptions, yards. You're not getting everything you wanted out of him, but he'll he'll be just like we don't have to talk about George Kittle, do we? Is there anything? Are you seeing it? Unless you're no, seeing something. No, I mean he had two touchdowns taken away in, in week one. He had a really good game week one, despite um, you know the, the fact that the offense was was sputtering a little bit. Jimmy Garoppolo was off. Uh, he made a lot out of a little. Uh, he, he turned water into wine as far as uh, the opportunities that he got. So um, no, I mean he he looks. To me, he looks sensational. Um, looks even better than he did at the beginning of last year. So I think that that, that that's all going to sort of even out. Um, he, he's going to you know get in space and and do what he did last year. Uh, you know, he's hurt by the fact that there's really no number one wide receiver on this team at this point. So defenses can just focus on taking away George Kittle as as best they can. Uh, so that's another reason why you would think that George Kittle at the end of 2019 is going to be better than he is in the first half. Uh, your receivers are going to be better. Your quarterback is going to be a little bit more in tune. Um, and, and that's just going to help George Kittle out uh, a lot more. So kind of in short, uh, if you want to look for some buy low candidates, like look to, I don't think you can buy Kittle low, but look to most of the 49ers maybe and just hope you pick the right, the right wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, if uh, Debo Samuel is still out there, that's that's the guy that I would get. 
Um, if Marquise Goodwin is out there before the Rams game, uh, that might be a good matchup to get. And uh, on my team, I, I've got the uh, the 49ers defense, which has uh, done really well so far. In fact, they've dropped a couple of picks. Uh, a, a potential pick six uh, on Sunday by Akella Witherspoon was dropped. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're going to get their sacks. The, the interceptions seem to be coming. Um, their confidence level is getting better. And, um, you know, they, they've got some dogs on the schedule, too, uh, you know, starting on Sunday. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think the, the Steelers are dogs, but it's going to be a brand new quarterback. And uh, I, I think that'll be interesting, uh, if you will, for the 49ers D. Matt, if you don't mind uh, sharing this, you know, I'm always intrigued by how beat writers put together their fantasy teams. Um, what's yours look like right now? Who do you well, have on there? Mine usually stinks. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. All right. People are like, oh, you must be really good at fantasy because you cover the NFL. No, I mean, I was just talking to my mother uh, who watches more NFL than I do because I'm stuck watching the 49ers all game. And then yeah. Yeah. And then I'm I'm writing about them during the the second half during the afternoon games usually. So I see uh, a lot less football I think than the the average fantasy football player. So uh I'm usually the 11th place team out in a 12 team league. Um so I'm 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 not great about it but uh uh I, I tend to skew towards what I know and um so I I end up uh, drafting a lot of NFC West guys. Gotcha. And, and maybe and maybe that's what's hurt me o- over the years. But uh, this this year, my team, I've got um, I've got Russell Wilson at, at quarterback. Um, I've got Alvin Kamara and Austin Eckler All at, right. uh, at running back. I've got um, uh, Mike Mike Evans uh, as one of my receivers. And um, hey, you know, let me stop you because your first game was against Tampa Bay. And I, yeah. you saw Tampa Bay. Like, do, do you know what's going on with this Buccaneers team that's supposed to be amazing that is just in shambles? Did you catch anything while you were watching it? No. Uh, he had a very uh, modest game. Um, and, and he had a, a huge game against them last year against the 49ers, uh, well yeah. over 100 yards and a couple of bombs. Um, I, I mentioned Akella Witherspoon earlier. Uh, Witherspoon was covering him in week one. And as, as all Mike Evans' fantasy owners know, he was dealing with the flu that week. So that may have been part of the, uh, the issue, but, uh, yeah, it seems that, uh, Chris Godwin is, is, uh, is benefiting from coverage that probably skews over the top of, of, of Mike Evans right now. I'm not really worried about that. I think that's going to kind of even itself out, but it has been a, uh, a slow start for the Buccaneers offense and, uh, and Mr. Evans. Yeah. Well, as long as you're not running, you saw them in week one as part of this debacle that their, their season is becoming. And, well, I thought that cool was all Jameis Winston related. And um, I was proud of myself for starting the 49ers defense because I figured, okay, you've got Winston who's a bit mistake prone and you've got him learning a new uh, offense. Uh, you know, that combined with week one, combined with the flu that was going around the team probably would uh, end up in a, uh, in a very sporadic game. And, and that's exactly what he had. You know, the cool thing that you keep mentioning the 49ers defense about and combining it with the bye week is if you don't own them now, just wait a couple weeks, get them after the four, uh, the bye, and then you've got them for the rest of the season. I mean, if they really are a legit DST, uh, you don't have to worry about dropping them later on. Like you just, that's your DST now for the rest of the year. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
look at what they have on the defensive line. Um, you know, they they brought in D Ford. They drafted Nick Bosha. They already had DeForest Buckner. Uh, it's a very very good defensive line. It's deep. Um, you know, they they're also learning sort of a new scheme. So again, it's going to be another unit that I think is better in the second half of the season than than the first half, as long as. Uh, uh, those defensive ends stay healthy, and and, and that's a that's a major knock, a uh, major asterisk, I think, in picking up the 49ers defense. But my point being, it's that defensive line that is generating the heat, that's generating the uh, the turnovers. Um, so I, I I think that's going to continue throughout the year. Nice. Um, let me just uh, really quickly let me plug our discount here. If you're listening to this on iTunes, theathletic.com/slash PBC gets you forty percent off, which brings you down to like thirty six bucks. Um, and it's not. Uh, let me dispel this other myth that like it's not like you just get fantasy. You get everything, and you can read uh, Matt's story last year about Raheem Mostert and his surfing scholarship, which really was awesome, man. I think I say you slack about that. Uh, like I just started, it was like my first week. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm gonna send this guy a note. Um, Sorry if I didn't. I think I did. Sounds like something I would do. Yeah, well, you 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 may have. I mean, uh, he's an interesting guy, and and one of the things about that story was that, and I, I learned this uh, in in reporting it. He, he was telling me that, you know, when he was surfing, the New Smyrna Beach is the shark bite capital of the world. And I thought, okay, this is this is hyperbole. This can't this can't be true. You know, more so than you know. Australia, you know, uh, South Africa and places like that. It, it is true. They have more shark bites in New Smyrna Beach per year than, than anywhere else in the world. So wow. that uh, kind of shows you the, the guts, you know, when you're a, uh, a special teams gunner that you need to have. Uh, if you're willing to go out there as a kid and dangle your feet over your surfboard in the shark bite capital of the world, you, you know you've got some, uh, some uh, courage in you. So that, that, that's who uh, Raheem Mostert is. I'm telling anyone who's listening, go check out that story. It was it was really good, and it'll give you a, a different point of view on Raheem Mostert. He's yeah, not just you a, know. Yeah. If you're if you're a guy that uh, you know cares about the the quality of person on your team, and I, and I'm sure there's some <laughs> fantasy owners yeah. out there who do. Like some are saying, I don't want Antonio Brown on my team, or or something like that. Uh, Raheem Mostert is the greatest guy on the planet. So you would feel good about yourself if uh, if you picked him up. And he's doing well. I think you said something in the beat writer roundup last week that was like, he might get you 32, he might get you 132. Like, he's that kind of player. But, you know, don't depend yeah, on him, but boomer busty kind of thing. Exactly. If you're if you're desperate or, you know, you're, you're, one of your uh, stalwarts is on a buy, that's that's a good uh, – it's a good pickup. I mean, it, it, could, it could pay off big or he could get 32 yards. I mean, it's, uh, it's feast or famine with him. But make that offer for Tevin Coleman right now while people are down on him. And uh, reap the benefits later. That's that. That would probably be the wise long-term move to to make this week. Yeah. All right, Matt Barrows. Uh, before we go, uh, we like to do just ten questions, a little rapid fire here at the end, just getting to know you a little better as a person, uh, and not in, in honor of Raheem Mostert, even though we do this every show. Uh, a little deeper, deeper understanding of Matt Barrows and what makes him tick. Um, so if you're cool I've with ne- that, I've never, got- I've never been surfing in the shark bite capital of the world, nor, nor I, I, I would I, I don't think, uh, after <laughs> researching shark bites and. Uh, you know, how many happen a year? Yeah, maybe try surfing in a river or something uh, first. Maybe that could work. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, so 10 quick questions. Uh, Matt Barrows, you can follow him on Twitter at Matt, B-A-R-R-O-W-S. Uh, number one, 
you're out in San Francisco. How many Journey songs can you sing along to, do you think? Oh, um, I can't hit, hit the quiet note, uh, the high notes <laughs> like uh, the lead singer can, but uh, I'd say uh, four or five. All right. That's pretty impressive. Um, what are you doing for the buy? Um, Matt Barrows is working on a book about, nice. uh, yeah, the last, uh, basically the 49ers, uh, since the year 2000. So it's going to focus heavily on the, uh, Jim Harbaugh years. And, um, it's, um, 70,000 words are due by February 15. And I've written, uh, probably about 700 so far. So, uh, <laughs> my point is, uh, I've got, I've got some work to do and, uh, the bye week will be, uh, where I sort of, uh, pick up the slack. Oh man, I hope for you. Oh, I mean, I don't want to say I hope they don't make the playoffs, but that sounds pretty tight. Well, <laughs> oh, well, it, uh, believe you me, I have thought, I've thought about that scenario. It's like, wait, I wasn't really counting on them to make the playoffs when I yeah. signed this uh, contract. <laughs> and if they went to the Super Bowl, that would, uh, I, I think, my publisher would probably give me a uh, a break on that if uh, if that were the case. Yeah, it'd be a great final chapter. Yeah, it would be a, a fantastic final chapter. There you go. Um. What are you streaming right now? What am I streaming? Uh, Video-wise. What, what are you watching on TV? Oh, right um, I'm a big uh, Succession fan. Um, oh, nice. I feel like it's the best uh, the best show on television. I was having this argument with somebody the other day, like, what what category is it? Uh, is it a drama? Is it, you know, tragedy? Uh, it It's really, really funny. Uh, I mean, it's obviously a, a dark comedy, but I think that – it's one of the funniest shows on television and it's so well cast too that uh if you're not watching it uh i give it my uh my highest recommendation nice um fellow fan here um you could spend one day as either billy joel or adam sandler who would it be oh man um i i'd go with uh adam sandler on that one uh i'm trying to i'm trying to pull the uh the name of the Judd Apatow movie uh, that had Seth Rogen in it. Comedian, I, I think it was. Um, Is that, it the one where he's, where he's dying? Yes, it's the yeah. one where he's dying. And it's a very atypical Adam Sandler movie because it's not silly. But there, there was some depth there that uh, I, I really uh, uh, recognized and enjoyed. And uh, that's uh, that might be in my top 20 movies uh, of all time. I thought that was a really wow. good one. Nice. Uh, are you a Mac or a PC guy? Um, I'm a PC guy who is thinking heavily of going Mac because I've been having so many problems with my PC recently. So um, uh, I don't know how loyal I'm going to be to PC in the future. <laughs> uh, do you have any hobbies? Do you any, collect anything, cards, stamps, coins, anything along those lines? I uh, I'm gonna lose credibility when I say this, but uh, I bird watch. I'm probably the only guy that you've ever oh, nice. that really bird watching. Oh yeah, which is which is like collecting because your your whole goal is to go out and see as many different birds and see birds that you've never seen before. So being a uh, an NFL writer, you, you're you're on the road all the time, you know, in Tampa in uh, Cincinnati and you're in areas of the country that, you know, you're, you, you've never been to before. And so you're seeing birds that you haven't seen before. So it's, it's a good uh, pairing of my actual profession. Do you actually, do you make, do you, sorry, follow-up question. Do you make time to actually go out and, uh, and, you know, like, you know, if, if you're going to be in say Tampa, 
Like, okay, I, I got a two hour block where I can just go somewhere and you, like you jump on a message board or ask someone local, like where's the best place to go kind of like look, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, bird watchers have you know big networks like that, so it doesn't it doesn't take much to find out like best birding spot in Tampa. And, and Tampa, by the way, is is fantastic because it's you're practically in the tropics. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, if I've got uh, time to kill, instead of going to a bar, um, I'll go to a national park and uh, just uh, you know really t- kind of take advantage of, uh, of the park system in this country, which is fantastic. Matt, uh, my, literally my next question on this sheet, what's the best bar in San Francisco? <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the, here's the thing. I live in San Jose, so. Oh, all right. Okay. It's, it's trials, but it's only cause it's right across the street from my house. <laughs> it's probably not the best bar in San Jose, but it's the one that I go to. But going to San Francisco from San Jose, I mean, it, it, it uh, just kind of suggesting that starts to stress me out because you can't get there uh, nowadays, uh, you know, under two hours. It just takes so long with all the traffic that uh, I would never go to a bar in San Francisco uh, if I could help it. Now, having said that, we're doing a, uh, an athletic meetup. Um, in San Francisco on Friday, which I will make it to, but it's going to take me three and a half hours of heavy traffic just to get there. And uh, I'm already dreading it. You know, we haven't done a fantasy one of those yet. Is it a, if, for people who are listening who might be in the area, are they, if you just subscribe, just go show up, drink and have a good time, meet the guys? No I pressure, think so. This will be, my, be our first too. Um, okay. Eno Saris, who uh, does baseball for us, is, is organizing it. And we're going to have 10 guys there. Uh, Tim Kalkami is going to be there. My buddy Dan Brown, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it should be fun. But yeah, I think it's just a, a meetup. I mean, I think you're having a couple of beers. You're meeting people and, um, you know, answering, uh, you know, questions like you're, you're asking me right now. So I, I, I think it'll be a good time. No, well, two, we'll see if these next two we give to everybody. So I don't know if you'll get these questions, but uh, what type of pen do you use? What type of pen? Yeah. Um, well, it depends on what hotel I've stayed in and which pen I've ripped off from, from the hotel. So I've got a, uh, a Renaissance pen right here. I don't really like it, though. But I, I have probably over 50 pens in my... Um, in my backpack right now. That's a lot, man. So, so half of them are broken. Some of them don't have ink. That's that's the attention that I'm giving to uh, to my pens. <laughs> and last one, uh, this is one we ask everybody to uh, think back to when you were 15 years old. Who was your celebrity crush? Uh, well, um, Rick Ocasek just died. So the Paulina Poroskova has been in the news quite a bit. So... I was a big Paulina Poroskova fan, as I'm, I'm sure a lot of adolescent boys were <laughs> at that point. She's, uh, for all your young listeners, she's a former uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. Uh, Matt Barrows, man, uh, thank you very much for, for this. This is, this is really cool and helpful, and I'm sure a lot of fantasy players can, can walk away with this, uh, knowing a little bit more and having maybe a little bit more strategy when they're approaching their 49ers. So, um, again, man, thank, thank you very much for coming on taking the time 
and uh, and you know, good luck. Enjoy the buy. Have, have yeah, fun I writing. Will. I will. Sixty-three thousand yeah. words. I'll be working. Yeah, I'll be working the whole time, but uh, I'll, I'll try to make as good uh, use of it as I can. And, and thank you very much for having me on the show. No, oh, uh, any yeah, it's our pleasure, man. Anytime, anytime. We're glad we could carve out some time to talk to the guy who knows everything about the 49ers. It was, uh, you know, a favor on our end. All right. Well, uh, it was my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, man. This is awesome. Thank you very much, man. Follow okay. me at Matt Barrows on Twitter. everybody, we're excited to share some big news here. Our team at The Athletic and our friends at Wondery just launched a brand new daily sports show called The Lead that we know you're going to love. The Lead is the first daily sports news podcast. It'll cover everything from the world stage to the hometown. With the help of The Athletic's more than 400 sports writers and editors, co-hosts Kavitha Davidson and Anders Kelta will bring you sports news up close and personal each weekday morning. And if I can add something personal here, I've pitched them a couple stories, so... Get excited about that if they say yes. You're about to hear a preview of The Lead. Subscribe to The Lead on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now so you don't miss an episode. There's also a link in the episode notes that will take you there. Check out theathletic.com slash the lead to read stories featured on The Lead. And have a lovely day. You can follow sports through sound bites or the full story from up in the press box or down on the sidelines what do, what do you want to accomplish this year actually i want to accomplish getting on this team first this fall a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter stories about players a guy like zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now that's the buzzer Stories about hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guys. From The Athletic, home to the best storytelling in sports. And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator. I'm Kavitha Davidson. And I'm Anders Kelto. Introducing The Lead. Go beyond the box score, five days a week. This isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. Are you kidding me? I have never seen anything like that. The lead premieres September 16th on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. The lead. Sports up close. Hey, hey, I need some more of that.